Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. In recent years, across Europe, we've been witnessing the rise of the far right. The most likely scenario is Macron against Le Pen. She's had a good run in the past few days. A razor-thin defeat amidst a surge from the far right. Sweden's center-left Prime Minister Magdalena Andersson announced plans to resign. The most recent polls show a share of almost 30% for the right-wing Swiss People's Party. The SVP has been running an anti-immigration campaign using controversial images like dark hands reaching out for Swiss passports. And now the elections in Italy are raising eyebrows, with the hard-right candidate Giorgia Maloney being tipped to win this weekend. I could be the first uh, woman leading the Italian government in all our history. If she does win, she won't just be the first female prime minister the country's ever had, but also the most hard-right leader since Mussolini led the fascist government in World War II. So who is Giorgia Maloney? How did this 45-year-old Roman who grew up in a left-wing neighbourhood, become a poster girl for the hard right? And has Italy reconciled itself with its history of fascism? You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, the Italian election and the rise of a hard right. I am Tom Kington. I'm the Times correspondent here in Italy. And right now I'm in Rome warming up for the Italian general election, which is happening here on Sunday. Tom, the Italian election is already looking like it's going to be quite lively. And, you know, Italian politics has given us so much in the past. You know, terms like bunga bunga, vivid images involving Berlusconi generally. But this election has surprised us all by bringing Peppa Pig to the fore. Just tell us what's been happening. Peppa Pig hit the headlines here because it's shown on Italian state TV and a new episode features a character who has two mummies. I'm Penny Polar Bear. I live with my mummy and my other mummy. One mummy is a doctor and one mummy cooks spaghetti. That, however, stoked the wrath of one Italian political party, 
which everyone thinks is going to win the election, they were outraged because they were saying that this was a sort of indoctrination of small children. That is going to lead them astray and distract them from the values of the traditional family, the family containing a mother and a father. We're going to come back to that political party, the one that opposes Peppa Pig and looks set to win the next election. But before we do, just set out for us what sort of state is the country in as it goes into this election? Italy is kind of staggering out of COVID. It was hit very hard, it was hit early, and its economy really was staggering as it emerged from the pandemic. Outside of China, Italy has recorded the most deaths from the virus. Schools have been closed, shops have been shuttered, and transport hubs have ground to a halt. That has coincided now with the war in Ukraine and soaring energy bills, which, just as in the UK, have hit really hard. You'll walk past pizza restaurants these days and the owner will have his gas bill printed it off, plunked it on in the window with a sign saying, this is why your pizza has just doubled in price. The price of food is is soaring in, in the markets. So people are really feeling the pinch. If you live in a big city where the heating in your building will probably be turned on according to a council directive on a certain day, that's going to happen a week later than usual this year in a gas-saving initiative, and you'll get an hour less heating every day. That's extraordinary. So what's the political situation like at the moment? Italy had its golden moment of populism from about 2016 to 2018-19. The two biggest winners, the populist Five Star Movement and the right-wing League, earned better than 50% of the vote. The Five Star Movement, the anti-establishment movement, which stormed Parliament saying that it was going to open up Parliament like a tin of tuna. How is that tin of tuna now? (laughs) I think... uh, Still unopened. They climbed into it and found that it was rather comfortable inside, actually. (laughs) 2018, they formed a government with the League Party, led by Matteo Salvini. The Italian Trump now in government with coalition partners. Salvini is interior minister, but considered Italy's most powerful politician. Tub-thumping, anti-migrant type. He would show up at gypsy camps in a mechanical digger to tear them down if they'd been illegally built. So he formed the kind of right-wing element of that very populist moment in Italy. He walked out of the government with Five Star in 2019. He thought that he could prompt a snap election and become prime minister himself. It didn't work because Five Star jumped ship and formed another government with the centre-left Democratic Party. Now, that lasted until 2021 when it collapsed. In comes the saviour of Italian politics, Mario Draghi, the former head of the European Central Bank, a very authoritative, respectable figure. For the moment, it appears that he has that broad parliamentary majority that he needs, the centre-left, the far-right, as well as the five-star movement. Italians hoping that this MIT-trained economist can come in and deal with the crisis that Italy is facing. This did sort of seem like the moment where politics was suddenly serious again. That's right. Suddenly, Italy had a leader who was really well respected on the European and world stage. So really, things began to click. It was a coincidence, a very happy coincidence, that Italy won the European Football Championships. Saka has to score. It's saved by Donnarumma. And it's Italy who are the champions of Europe. 
It was really seen as a perfect moment, draggy, football, everything you could need to really get Italy back on track until July of this year when Five Star pulled the plug on the coalition and now we have another snap election. And what triggered that? What made them turn their backs on Draghi? I think Five Star began to realise that they were hemorrhaging voter support. Being part of a coalition with a very establishment figure wasn't a good look for an anti-establishment party. And yet it doesn't seem to be the Five Star movement who are benefiting from this election. I mean, just tell us about the front runner. morning, everyone. I am Giorgia Meloni. I am 45 years old and I am the president of Fratelli d'Italia, the political party of Italian conservatives. Four days I have been reading articles in the international press in which I am described as a danger to democracy, to Italian, European and international stability. None of this is true. The frontrunner is Giorgia Meloni. Giorgio Maloney runs the Brothers of Italy, and they were the only party who stayed out of Draghi's coalition. They were seen as the party which weren't prepared to forge alliances in order to get a taste of power. What do we know about her? She's 45, she's a mother of a small daughter, she's Roman, and she has a very Roman accent. You can be quite catty in a good Roman accent. And she's got a very, very sharp sense of humour. She's meant to be a very nice person in private, but on stage she can be pretty ferocious. And sometimes when she does videos on Facebook, she tends to stare at the camera. It's quite scary. They're ready to launch a new season of stability, freedom and prosperity for Italy, whether the left likes it or not. I suspect that she has advisors who tell her to blink more, otherwise she might be just a little bit too frightening on social media. And she's absolutely loved by her supporters for being a straight talker. It's not easy, the situation Italy is facing. We have a war in Europe, we have rising inflation, and that is why we are saying Italian the truth. We're not promising nothing we cannot do. Going back to that point about her staying out of government, being coherent, being true to her principles, and that, when I'm out there at rallies, talking to people who have turned up, that's really what they talk about most, coherence. What do we know about her background? Did she always grow up being a child of the right? She grew up in a district in in the northern end of Rome, rather well-to-do area. Her father, when she was young, abandoned the family, ran off, and I think that has left her with a need often to kind of make a good impression on people. What happened next is that she was playing around at home with her, her sister. They lit a candle, left it lit. The house burnt down in a fire. And so the two girls with their mother needed to move, and they wound up moving to the other end of Rome, to an area called Garbatella, which is traditionally working class and and rather left-wing, where young Georgia didn't fit in immediately. She recalls being bullied because she was quite a chubby kid at the time. And she says that she found some kind of safety net with the local MSI party, which is the post-fascist party, that was formed by former fascist supporters of Benito Mussolini after the Second World War. 
This was 1992. She was 15. What you've got to remember is that Rome at the time, early 90s, was emerging from the 80s when politics was everything. Everything was politicized in Rome. So the school you went to would be left wing or right wing. The clothes you wore would immediately announce what you voted. And there was a lot of violence as well. Left-wing kids on a night out in Rome would have to be careful not to be beaten up by right-wing kids and vice versa. So you can imagine that young Maloney, growing up in a left-wing area, feeling a bit kind of alienated, naturally drifted over to the right and found the MSI party. And when you say everything was politicised, I mean, how would that play out? If you were wearing Clark's desert boots, you were clearly left-wing. If if you were wearing a Fred Perry polo shirt, you were clearly right wing. Right down to the minor details of fashion, everything screened politics. My wife, who is Italian, recalls discovering that her school history teacher had vanished because he'd gone to prison for being a right wing terrorist. So it touched everyone's lives. So these were the days when you could go to prison, and I suppose even die for for politics. There were numerous cases, actually, of people being killed during scraps between right-wing and left-wing mobs in Rome at the time. That was the culture that she was emerging from. That's quite an initiation into the world of politics. What happens with her career? When does she realise this is something she wants to pursue as a job, as, as as a lifestyle? Shortly after the MSI changed name, it became the National Alliance in a bid to sort of move away from its fascist roots. Uh, Maloney is 29. She enters Parliament as an MP with the National Alliance and was quickly seen as a very bright young politician. 2008, she becomes the Minister for Youth in a government led by Silvio Berlusconi. Italy's longest serving post-war prime minister was also a media mogul and one of the country's richest men. But Berlusconi's flamboyant career was plagued by allegations of corruption and sex scandals. So she serves under Berlusconi. When does she break off and form her own party? How does that come about? That was a few years later. 2012, by that time, Berlusconi is out of government. She's no longer a minister. She decides to form the Brothers of Italy, which is the the name comes from a line in the Italian national anthem. And she's kind of out in the wilderness politically, but she stuck with it and saw her poll ratings rocket, rising to uh, a point where a quarter of Italians have now said they'll vote for her. In Italy, we have seen too many different governments come and go. I think that this time could perhaps be different. We need to try something new. And why is that? I mean, what does she represent? What are her big policies? What are the thoughts that are, that are bringing her so much support? God, homeland and family, in a nutshell. She's very big on the traditional family, hence her um, opposition to that Peppa Pig episode. She often has a go at what she calls the LGBT lobby when she's campaigning. She's against same-sex adoption. She's against same-sex marriages. Migration is another big thing. 
Maloney stoked controversy earlier this week when she posted a pixelated video on Twitter purporting to show a woman being raped by an asylum seeker. She's very big on clamping down on illegal migration. Italy is a big entry point for migrants sailing from northern Africa. Where does she stand on on countries who the rest of Europe, I suppose, would see as potential threats? So Russia, China? She's not keen on China and she's not keen on Russia. So she's backed sending of weapons to Ukraine. She's backed uh, sanctions against Russia. What's really interesting here is this kind of puts her at odds with her two coalition stablemates. So that's Matteo Salvini and Silvio mm. Berlusconi. Historically, have both had very close ties with Moscow to the point that famously Matteo Salvini took a selfie of himself in Red Square once wearing a Vladimir Putin T-shirt. And Silvio, wow. Silvio Berlusconi once gave Putin for his birthday a duvet cover featuring pictures of both himself and Putin. Coming up, has Italy come to terms with its fascist past? That's after a quick message from a colleague. I'm Louise Callahan, a foreign correspondent for The Sunday Times. I work from the front line of international politics and war, bringing you stories from Ukraine to Syria and Yemen. We can only do this thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times. Subscribe today by visiting thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Next month marks a hundred years since the March on Rome, the coup in which Mussolini came to power and began 20 years of fascist rule. But Italy's relationship with its past is complicated. Whilst Germany held a reckoning, 
denazifying after the Second World War. In Italy, there are sometimes hints of nostalgia for Il Duce, the man who made the trains run on time. You can still buy souvenirs and wine bottles with images of Mussolini on them, and his birthday has become an annual pilgrimage for thousands. So to understand modern Italy, we need to remind ourselves of some of its fascist past. A sea of humanity overflows Venice Square in Rome. Carrying warlike banners and swastikas, half a million await the dramatic entrance of dictator Mussolini. And now these first pictures of Italy hearing the fateful words of war. Benito Mussolini, Italy's pre-war fascist dictator, pretty much did away with democracy and introduced racial laws to exclude Jews from public life. Allied with Hitler, went into the Second World War pretty well unprepared, suffered a series of disastrous defeats, ended up in 1945 being hung by partisans. That didn't stop a number of his supporters forming a party after the war called the MSI, the um, Movimento Sociale Italiano. It's often called a post-fascist party, but these were the same guys. They were keen fascists. And they stayed on sort of the, the sidelines of Italian politics throughout the 40s and 50s, sometimes being linked with a very extreme right-wing activity. Eventually, in the 90s, they changed their name to the so-called National Alliance in a bid to present a sort of more moderate face. They were brought into government by Silvio Berlusconi. Then the party faded, and effectively the baton was picked up in 2012 by Meloni, who formed the Brothers of Italy, which has attracted former members of the National Alliance to join its ranks. Obviously it has this murky fascist past. How do people think of Mussolini now? After the Second World War, there was no process of kind of weaning Italians off fascism none of the denazification that we saw in Germany. And I think one of the reasons is because Mussolini was not defeated in one go by the Allies. In 1943, he was actually ousted by the King of Italy. He retreated to a kind of rump fascist uh, republic called the Republic of Salo in northern Italy, which was uh, protected by the Germans. But the rest of the country by that time was free of fascism. The Allies, as they swept up Italy, were often welcome. So it was a kind of confusing situation at the end of the war. And I think the Allies decided it didn't merit full-scale denazification. And that led, as we've said, to the forming of, a, of the MSI party after the war by people who had been open backers of Mussolini during the war. That to this day, has left a kind of rather ambiguous approach to fascism on the part of many Italians. It's interesting, there was a survey last year in which 66% of Italians between the age of 16 and 25 agreed that the fascist regime during the war was, quote, a dictatorship to condemn in part, but which also brought benefits. And when they talk about benefits, they mean Mussolini building council houses, draining swamps, introducing a welfare state. If you go to any town in Italy today, you'll see plenty of fascist architecture 
town halls, post offices, libraries, which really are testament to the great kind of social progress that was made under Mussolini. And that will be pointed to by many Italians as the fact that Mussolini did good things. What they then say is, oh, of course, in 1938, he made a big mistake passing his racial laws, and he made a big mistake allying with Hitler. As someone once said to me, Italians see history a little bit like a visit to a butcher's shop. They only want the nice cuts. It's a great revisionist way of looking at the world. And for, for Italians, given that there is the the part of history they'd rather not look at. How does that legacy of Mussolini, how does it affect the way they look at a candidate like Giorgia Maloney? When I talk to supporters of Maloney at rallies, they're all very keen to say that fascism is part of the past, that Maloney has nothing to do with it, they're not interested in it. And I I believe them. I think that's genuinely what they think. She is the natural candidate to lead a conservative government. Berlusconi is 85, he's a bit of a has-been. Salvini had his moment back in 2019. He's since faded, he's much less popular now. So there are millions of Italians who will vote for Maloney because she's the one who can get a conservative government back into power for the first time since Berlusconi was kicked out unceremoniously because of his bunga bunga scandals in 2011. He is alleged to have had sex with an underage woman, a 17-year-old Moroccan dancer named Ruby Hartstealer. It's alleged to have happened during a so-called Boonga Boonga party. That's basically an orgy. They just want a conservative leader, and that's it. Tom, how exactly are the polls looking? And you mentioned that she'd be going into a coalition of the right. They'd, you know, you'd get Berlusconi back in some form. I mean, do we know what that government would look like? The most recent polls had Maloney on about 25%, Salvini on 12%, and Berlusconi on about 8%. So together, Berlusconi and Salvini do not match Maloney's backing. So that really puts her in the driving seat. Now, if together they get 40, 45% of the votes, they may land 60% of the seats in Parliament. And that's due to a rather complex voting law in Italy. So that's a very strong majority. And just give us a sense of the people who they will be competing against. Uh, You've got the centre-left Democratic Party run by Enrico Letta, who has the air of a kind of university professor. He lacks that kind of charisma that Maloney and Berlusconi and Salvini have in spades. I want to propose to the Italians an idea of Italy that is pro-European, pro-vaccine, pro-science, not in denial on climate change, working in cooperation with the other countries, and not pushing our young people to leave the country His party, the Democratic Party, has been in and out of government over the last decade. Then you've got a small party run by Carlo Calenda, who is a former Democratic Party minister. And he is in that party alongside Matteo Renzi, a former Democratic Party prime minister. 
And they're two very smart people. What's interesting is that they could have allied with the Democratic Party. They mm. didn't because they said there were too many far left members tucked inside the Democratic Party. That's a rift which I think will punish the Democrats at the election. They probably could have seen off the right, but those divisions have meant that the right will probably cruise to victory. Gosh, that must be quite frustrating for the left if it's internal divisions that's stopping them from grasping power. Just looking at the history of recent Italian politics, I mean, it does sometimes seem like Italian governments don't last very long. You know, they've lasted an average of 18 months since 1984. Does it feel like this one might go the same way? That's certainly been predicted by experts who said that the inherent friction between Meloni and Matteo Salvini will ensure this government will fall quite quickly. Someone was telling me the other day that you need to look at exactly what percentage of votes Salvini gets on Sunday. Now, if he slips below 10%, he may be therefore ousted as leader, and that would possibly bring in a guy called Giancarlo Giorgetti. Giorgetti is very pro-EU. Sparks could therefore fly, hastening the end of the government. The other eventuality is that Salvini actually does quite well at the election, so he then will waltz into cabinet brimming with confidence and, <laughs> and encourage to uh, do battle with Maloney, which would also possibly lead to the end of the government. Now, we've got to remember at this point that um, Salvini has had a hand in bringing down two governments recently, so he's got four. If they do win, if the Brothers of Italy take over... What would that mean for the country and for the rest of Europe and for us here in, here in the UK? For Italy, it'll be the, the most right-wing government the country's had since the war. Wow. I think that people will be thinking, if they can't fix Italy, which has had a problem with sinking productivity for years now, a lot of the economic indicators are, are pretty poor in Italy. So people will be thinking, great, clean sheet for the right, but if they can't fix Italy, no one can. It's a sort of make or break moment. I think that there'll be nervousness in Brussels over this government. I think for the UK, anyone in the UK who is looking to undermine the EU will be quite pleased by this because they'll be thinking, well, we can sort of peel Italy away from the, the French-German axis and maybe they'll be more amenable to our advances if we if we go behind the backs of Paris and and Berlin and try and win a new friend. And what's the mood like in Italy as these elections approach? I mean, are, are Italians hopeful or are they quite wary? I think bored. We're banging on about the rise of the hard right and Maloney and Salvini, but actually you really don't feel a great passion for politics at the moment. The right are keen to get Maloney in, but I, th I think in broader terms, this election has not triggered the national imagination. Italians are, are just so concerned about paying their bills this winter. They're thinking, oh, please, just let's get through this. Does it feel like an election that's essentially fiddling while Rome burns? That's one, definitely one way to describe <laughs> it.
You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guest, Tom Kington, Italy correspondent for The Times. You can find all of Tom's work at thetimes.co.uk, including coverage of the Italian election. The producer today was Olivia Case. The executive producer is Kate Ford, and sound design was by David Crackles. If you enjoyed this episode, if it was a useful briefing, then please do leave us a review. It'll help others to find it. Thanks for listening. Have a lovely weekend. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.